Well, hello, everybody. I am here today with Wilson Matos, otherwise known as, a.k.a. Will. <laughs> Will and I go pretty far back in the Internet world. Uh, we go back into the 2000s somewhere. I think we first, I don't know if we crossed paths before the seminars we were in Florida at, but we were at a seminar back in, I think, 2009, and I think we met there. And then uh, I was speaking at that one. And then the second one we did, or I, I did, was your seminar. And I believe I spoke at that one, too. Uh, but that's how we got to know each other, hung out, and stayed in touch over the years. And then one day we were talking. You were asking how I was doing, what I was doing. I said something about focusing on WordPress. And your partner had, and you had this idea around building WordPress themes. We got together. We did stuff. I actually worked for your company for four years and uh, since have started my own agency and stuff, of course. But of course, we're still in touch and we're friends. We've you know, known each other for all that time. But uh, that is where we're at and how I know you. First of all, you want to just take a minute and just introduce yourself. You want to say anything else <laughs> that I haven't? <laughs> no, you're right. It's 2009. And actually, that was... A turning point in my career, that seminar that we attended back in the Arnold Kaya Day seminar in 2009 in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. So it was uh, fond memories, made a lot of great friendships, including you, that have, have lasted many, many years now. What are we, 12 years later? And we're still here talking. So this is awesome. So that's kind of stuff I want to dig into, like, you know, kind of your what we do on this podcast, we like to, especially when we first have somebody on, is talk a little bit about your background and and what your journey looked like to becoming the entrepreneur or whatever you're doing today. So I think that's kind of wind back a little bit and let's start there because you are not originally from the good American, you know, United States of America. <laughs> you are from Brazil. I was born in Brazil and I moved to the U.S. when I was 14 years old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I know that story. So like, what, how did you move to the U.S. or wh why did we move to the U.S.? Yeah, the story is not too exciting. My mom and dad got divorced and uh, back in the mid to late 80s, uh, countries in South America predominantly were very macho driven countries, right? So uh, at that time, a divorced single mom wasn't didn't have a whole lot of opportunity. So my mom had an opportunity to come to the U.S. and then bring me and, and my siblings over. And I originally came to just study and just started forming a life here. I went to high school in New York City. I, I came and started high school. Like I said, I didn't speak a word of English when I came. So it was an interesting thing to learn a new language while going to school at the same time. Yeah. But just uh, went to high school in New York City, moved to California to go to college, lived in different places, California, Hawaii, New York, back to California. And um, today I live in Florida. Yeah, you just recently moved to Florida. Very oh, recently, yeah. just a few months ago. You escaped California. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. So, I mean, was so along the way, so you went to school for what? What did, did you go through for business? I went to college and I got a biology degree because I wanted to be a doctor. My entire life, since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a doctor ah. until I got to college. And to be very direct, I hated school. <laughs> and I just, 
I just couldn't fathom being in school after college for another six, eight, ten years, including residency and specialties and stuff like that. So when I was a sophomore in college, I got a job at a computer lab for students with disabilities. And I was I was already pretty passionate about technology. You know, I think I got my first computer as a sophomore in high school. I, I've always been one to tinker with tech and love gadget. My mom will tell you stories of the things that I would take apart and put back together and combine electronics to make other electronics and stuff like that. So when I first got the job, I thought, you know, I love technology so much, but I don't want that to be my job. I want that to always be a hobby of mine. But when I started working in it, I figured that it was an even bigger passion. So I went down the technology route and I actually worked in information technology for a little over 20 years. Yeah, you were working for some decent sized businesses and stuff. Yeah, so I, I worked for some fairly large software companies as a consultant and uh, worked with Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000 companies. And my goal in college, pretty towards my, my senior year in college, I was working full-time and going to school full-time. And my goal at that point became forget this medical school stuff. I don't want to do that anymore. There was another reason I didn't want to do it. When I was a junior in college that summer, I volunteered to be a research assistant at a hospital. And I also volunteered at, at free clinics as a translator because I also speak Spanish. And so it got me pretty disgusted with the whole system of healthcare in the United States. And I'm sure it's not any better anywhere in the world, but it got me pretty disgusted with how things work. And so I decided I couldn't do it. Like, for example, I couldn't turn a patient away because they didn't have insurance. It just wasn't the thing for me to do. And I understand why it happens sometimes. And I, you know, I, I get that nothing is free in this world. I don't, you know, I don't think everything should be free for everybody. But for me, turning somebody away was a really difficult thing. So I just decided that I couldn't make those choices. Uh, in a similar way that I couldn't be a soldier because I couldn't make the choices that they have to make in a split second in a, in a situation where they find themselves in, right? And we know what we're talking about here. So it's not that I look down upon them in any way, shape, or form. I'm very thankful for our armed forces and for what they do. But I couldn't do it. So I decided to go down this other path of technology, and I'm, I've always been pretty driven. So I set myself a goal to be a CIO of a large organization pretty quickly in my life. And I was getting really, really close. Before I was 30, I was the director of IT for Paramount Pictures Worldwide Networks. I was director of systems engineering for, for Paramount. And it was then that I decided that I needed to do something else. So as I was climbing the corporate ladder and almost achieving my goal, I decided that something else was in order. So I went back to work for another software company. And it was for the first time, Matt, I had, I think I've told you this story before, for the first time ever, I had a job where I worked from home, made my own schedule, worked with really brilliant people, mm -hmm. and, you know, controlled my life, so to speak. With one exception, and that is that in a corporate environment, I was just a number. And we've all seen that. We've all heard that. Some of us have experienced that. And so I decided that I wanted to perpetuate that situation. So unlike most folks that follow the path of internet marketing or starting an online business, I didn't hate my job. It was the opposite. I loved my job. I loved what I did. And I wanted to perpetuate it, not escape the conditions of it, that is, right? The control that I had and, and the, the pleasure that I had doing what I did. And so I, I did that whole infamous, how do you make money online, Corey, on Google? 
So when you were at Paramount, though, like when you made that, you said you had to make this decision and you went in a different direction. What was that? Was that something you were burning out or were you just that didn't feel we'll call it burnout? I just didn't. It was the only job that I did not enjoy. I worked with great people. Don't get me wrong. And and there are facets that I enjoyed. But as a whole, I decided that I, again, did not want to deal with the bureaucracy that I had to deal with on a daily basis. And so I I literally went on a trip at the end of a pretty large project. I told my uh, VP that, hey, I need a couple of weeks off. I have all this time saved up that I had never used, never take time off. I'm going to take two weeks off. And I went to Europe and I visited five or six countries in two weeks. And then I just by myself and I just decompressed. And when I came back, I decided to take that other job. I had been offered a job before because I'd previously worked for that same company and I had left to go to Paramount where I stayed about four years. But it was a it was a systems engineer job and I wasn't going to take a step backwards. It was my view, right? Here I am a director. I manage a whole bunch of managers and a whole bunch of systems engineers. I'm not going to go back to being a systems engineer. And when I came back, I said, I'm going to go be a systems engineer because I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of what I do. I'm tired of bu- the bureaucracy. And, and uh, so that's that's what I did. And I, I worked at that company for a few more years. And, and I fell in love again, like I said, with the whole concept of, of controlling my own destiny, which is interesting because I first started an online business back in 1994, the early, early days of the Internet. I had a web hosting company. I did back in 1994. I had a Linux server at my house with an ISDN line that was pegged full time. And I used to charge $100 per web page per month. I would do the design and the hosting. And the most difficult thing of selling that service was explaining to people at that time what the World Wide Web was. Those were the early days where registering a domain name required you to download a file via FTP which is all the domains listed in alphabetical order. So you had to check if the one you wanted was there or not. And then there was a form, which was just text and an email that you'd copy and paste into an email and request the registration of the domain that you wanted if it wasn't on the list. And about a 24 to 48 hours later, they would register it for you. It used to be free. And, um, you know, just all the great domain names were available. All of them. Whatever you want to imagine that is like that would go for tens of millions of dollars right now on the market. It was all available. So I missed that boat. But I bring up that story because I decided that at that time that I didn't want to be a business owner. At that time in my life, I ran that business for about a year and a half, never really made much money because, again, I was swimming upstream. I was too early to the game, right? Right. And then when people started back like about late 95, early 96, when people started realizing what the web was, was when companies like Earthlink came about and you could now get a dial-up account for internet access pretty easily. And they started including web hosting with your account. And so you could host a page or two on your account. So now there's my competition, right? And I said, forget this. (laughs) I got a lot of cool toys out of it. That's where my profit went, went for, you know, more tech gadgets and cool printers and nice computers and stuff. And I decided, you know what? I just want to work for somebody. I don't want the headache of being a business owner. I don't want to have to sell. I don't want to have to manage, right? And um, so I just continued down the path to be try and become a CIO. So it was kind of a turnaround to come back in in the around the 2007 time frame to do that search. How do you start, you know, how to make money online? 
how did that happen though? Like, what is, you were enjoying your job, but now you're just out of curiosity, you started doing these searches or? Yeah, again, it was, it was to attempt to perpetuate. Like I said, you know, I love this. I don't want to go to an office again because going to an office, I think, is one of the most inefficient things humans ever do for work to achieve stuff. I spent, you know, when I, the last time I was working in an office that, you know, I work in an office, but I don't consider this like an office environment because it's a, I have one office leased in a corporate executive suite and like there's nobody here that I talk to, right? But in in a regular company, corporate office situation, I just, I'm not a believer in it at all. Uh, I used to spend a good six to eight hours in meetings a day. Hmm. And then I still had to do my job afterwards, right? right? And so we had meetings to talk about meetings, about planning the meetings that we were going to have for later meetings. And it's that kind of bureaucracy situation that drove me nuts. So when I started working for the software company again as a systems engineer, I came to love working from home, came to love setting my own schedule and having the flexibility that I had. And, oh, I could travel again. I would set the travel when I wanted. I could work with customers that I wanted to work with. Really, really brilliant people. And I decided I wanted to perpetuate that regardless of me being just a number because I knew that at any given time I could get a phone call saying, you know, we don't need you anymore, right? Right. And at that point, what were my options going to be? Those types of jobs weren't readily available. So it was like, and now back to an office. I was always very marketable. I was always pretty distinguished in my, in whatever industry I was in. I had great connections and great reputation. And I, I did some really cool stuff like, uh, here's a little trivia for you. I'm the first certified Linux instructor on the planet. No. I am. <laughs> I have the no. certificate to prove it. That's right? going in the show notes. So, <laughs> we get a picture of your certificate. So, we so I, I will have to find it because I just moved, so it's in boxes. It's in a box <laughs> somewhere, but I do have it, and someday I will send it to you, and you can update the podcast page. Sweet. But okay. <laughs> So I it wasn't a matter of being marketable because I was marketable. And I would have not been without a job for long. But it was, again, what type of job am I going to have to settle for? So I did that search back in probably early to uh, late 2006. And I formed my first company in January of 2007, my first corporation. And then I just, in my spare time, I just kept on trying different things. How, you know, to try and make money online. Yeah. And like most people that in, that enter this market and achieve some level of success and this market, I mean, Internet marketing or digital marketing, right. most people that attempt to do this struggle for a couple of years. At least this is like the baseline story that I always hear from people that succeeded and they struggle in different ways. I mean, it's far and few between the individuals who just decide that they're going to do this and automatically achieve success, right? So like everybody else, or like most people, I bought a lot of courses, I chased a lot of shiny objects, I tried a lot of different things, and I still had this idea that I wanted to do it differently. And for some reason, I had a block about using my skill set, which was in technology. Right. Because I wanted to leave, quote unquote, technology, right? I wanted to leave, uh, put that in quotes. I didn't want to be in technology <laughs> related areas. I wanted to just be a pure marketer and, and advertise and, and sell stuff and, you know, buy pay per click ads and, and make money on, on an arbitrage basis. And, you know, I just, that's what I had in my head. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I mean all the way. To cut you off, but, you know, like, I mean, that's the same path, kind of that. 
I went on, you know, like I was doing other things. I was actually insurance was my thing and some other stuff, but, but I kind of went through that same kind of trying to find my way and try all these different things. And it depended on who you were learning from, if they were scamming you or not, or uh, all these different, you know, opportunities out there and you just kept trying things and trying things and trying things. But I, I can yeah. relate to that. But at the same time, it was like, there's something in, you know, like, I think one of the things that I did pretty early on, because I created some courses and stuff too, and I sold those. And, but I always tried to, I remember my first course was on a website called webofopportunity.com. And I even had a jingle for it. I would say webofopportunity.com, something like that. <laughs> and I had this course on there, but it was, my focus was always like, cause I saw all these people out there, like focused on, you know, all, you know, chasing all this stuff and just randomly and not keeping with things for long enough or just all that stuff. I was always like, treat it like a business. I was always, that was my mantra, like treat it like a business, find your thing, you know, and, and so it was like, and that's kind of how I kind of gravitated to what I do because I, what shaped what I ended up doing was basically treating it like a real business instead of going after shiny objects and ignoring those as much yeah. as possible. So, yeah. Right. And I mean, you, you were one of my early on inspirations because I met you at the Arnold K Day seminar, but I had already been following you for a little bit. As you know, we were both members of Dennis Becker's Arnold K Day uh, forum. And so, Which, you know, I had known yeah. about you and, and your, your pay-per-click course yeah. and, and, uh, it was one of my shiny objects yeah. <laughs> that I purchased. But, but it was, and it was, you know, shiny objects. I'm going to go on a tangent a little bit here talking about shiny objects. Shiny objects aren't, it's not the fault of the object itself that we look at it as a shiny object, right? Because the best thing in the world, the best course, the best program, the best opportunity in the world, if you're not committed or if it's not the right fit for you, it's a shiny object. But for somebody else, it's a life turning event or a life turning opportunity. So there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with the shiny objects themselves is how we treat them. And I went from shiny object to shiny object without stopping. And the turning point for me really was that Arnold K. Day seminar in 2009 in Orlando. And it's because I had been chasing a lot of shiny objects and I had been using my skill set to a limited extent because there were things that I would learn. And at that time, I'm sure you remember the mini money sites where like you would just be an eBay affiliate and you'd create these sites that would aggregate eBay data and yeah. you'd drive pay-per-click traffic yeah. to it. And when somebody bought something on eBay, you'd get a light, tiny little commission from it, right? Mm -hmm. And it was an interesting model, but there was a lot of improvement that could have been made. And I did it. I improved it a heck of a lot with technology and automation. And then I created research tools to facilitate the process of even the keyword research and all that stuff. But to me, at that time, it was a shiny object in the sense that it kept me busy and occupied, but I really didn't do it to make money, even though I thought I would or that I wanted to. And the, the biggest turning point, I had two turning points at that event, was when somebody you know quite well, Steve Gotio came to me and shook my hand and says, I got to meet the man who made me $100,000 last year. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? Well, that little script that you developed for the eBay research that you shared in the forum for free with everybody, that script made me $100,000 last year. And I'm like, gotta love I'm glad it made somebody some money because <laughs> I certainly didn't make me any, right? <laughs> right? And it was, again, because I was tinkering and doing things that I was loving. I was pursuing a passion 
rather than the business, right? I'd spend countless hours automating stuff and doing cool stuff. And then when it was done, I'd get bored and go to the next thing because, again, I wasn't running a business. I was just, it was this big challenge. I love challenges. I love solving problems. I'm like an innate problem solver. Like that's, if I had to say, like if I could only t- say one thing about myself and describe myself in one way only is that I'm a problem solver. I love solving problems. I solve problems in, when I'm awake and I solve problems when I'm asleep. And that's no joke, right? That's who I am. So I would see these problems or these opportunities for improvement and I would just go to town. And then once the, once it was solved, I'd go to the next shiny object, right? Yeah. And then there was another thing that was kind of a, it wasn't as much of a slap on the face, but it was a wake up call. I had also developed these little scripts to make things easier for myself that I hadn't shared yet. And I showed to a couple of people. And one of them was something that became called the easy redirect script, which was a way to create short links and redirects on your own domain. Yeah. And... And somebody said to me, why the hell aren't you selling it? And I said, because I, you know, I come from the tech world and I don't want to be in the tech world. I don't want to support software. God forbid, I don't want to support software. And somebody said to me, I'm sorry, but you're an idiot or something like that. It was very blunt like that. You have something that you could sell today and you're complaining that you haven't made any money online yet. And that really, really marked me in a big way. So I went home and I thought about it a little bit. Of course, I had to make some improvements to the script first. (laughs) (laughs) But it was still pretty ugly. And I said, you know what? On a Friday night after work, I said, I'm going to start selling this and I'm not going to go to sleep until this is ready to sell. And I literally worked all night because I didn't have a shopping cart. I didn't have a notion of, I had a PayPal account. But I didn't have a way to even take money. I didn't have a members area to deliver the software. I didn't have any of that. So in one night, thank goodness I'm I'm pretty technically inclined, as I've already said. I was able to figure out the shopping cart. It was I used Dennis Becker's seven dollar script, if you remember that from way back when. And um, I set up a little download page, a protected download page, and I started selling the script in the forum in the members only special offers section. And I I posted it around six something in the morning Pacific time. And then I went to bed and I woke up around one o'clock in the afternoon and I had made like 700 bucks. And it was the best $700 I have ever made in my entire life because it was the first time ever that I made money while I slept. Yeah, right. And that was the turning point. That's amazing. Yeah. That was the turning point. And I decided at that time that, you know, I was going to use my skill set and that I was going to make it not perfect. It didn't have to be perfect. My first product wasn't perfect. My first sales process wasn't perfect. I didn't have a way to, to have affiliates. Dennis Becker, he was my first affiliate. He's, I asked him, would you promote this? He says, yes. Do you have an affiliate program? I'm like, uh... <laughs> I will soon. <laughs> right. So I went and I invested. Remember Rapid Action Profits? Oh, yeah. I invested in that and I set that up and I became an expert on that. And uh, and I created another product and I sold another product, which is a WordPress plugin. And that was my first foray into WordPress. And kind of the rest is history on, on that regard. Like at that point, I realized that if there is a market, you should serve it. You don't have to serve it perfectly. Yeah. You don't have to serve it completely. But if there's a market and there's a need and you can fulfill it, it is truly silly and dumb to not serve it. And that's exactly what I was doing. People love the stuff that I would create, right? 
And I'm not a programmer by trade, so none of my stuff was like big software. It was all little things. Mm -hmm. But I also learned at that time, Matt, that niche solutions are better than big solutions. And that's a lesson that I took to heart and, and I've always operated under for a long, long, long time now, ever since I learned it for more than a decade. And I went to another seminar, another one of Dennis Becker's seminar. And during that seminar, or one of my friends that I had, that, that I had made prior to, suggested that we should try and have a mastermind before the seminar and we should invite all the speakers to come. I don't think you were there at that event, no, but we should uh, we we should get all the speakers and, and do a one-day meeting prior to a mastermind and see how we can help each other. And that's where I met my business partner, Jason Fladlin. He, had a, uh, he was talking about this amazing piece of software that he had heard about, seen, had been talked about, and he was trying to buy. It was a piece of software that would clone WordPress sites. Yeah. And he was really mad. I remember him being visibly, you know, you, you know Jason. So yeah. he's, he's very Animated. like yeah. outward and energetic, right? So he's like, he's just slamming the table. I can't believe I can't buy this piece of software. And he couldn't buy it because every time he went to buy it, he'd go to the website and the website was closed. Because literally closed, like our store is closed. This is an online store. Our store is closed. We're only open during business hours. Oh, really? But it never said what the business hours were, and there was somewhere outside the U.S. They could never figure out when to go buy this thing. And every index, and I was like, let me let me go research this. I can't believe this. <laughs> and, you know, you do this Google searches with the site parameter and all that. And all of the pages that were indexed on Google, if you clicked on any link, it would redirect you to our, our stores closed, come back during business hour. <laughs> so at the break, I went to him and I said, he was, smoke, he was a smoker at that time. He was smoking outside. And I said, Jason, do you think there's a market for this? He's like, oh, my God, there's a market for it. I said, all right, if I make it, if I build it, will you sell it? Because Jason was already known as a, as a superstar copywriter marketer at that time. And he said, oh, hell, heck yeah. And this was, I think, in May or June. I said, all right. I told them, I need about two months because I'm working on another project. And once I'm done, I will focus on this. So I will call you in two months. And that's what I did. In two months, I called him and said, it's done. He's like, what do you mean it's done? I was like, it's done. And he couldn't believe it. He looked at it and said, oh, my God. And we made a couple of little tweaks and stuff. But we started selling this thing, Matt. And I remember October 1st, 2010. October 1st, 2010. And in the first 30 days, we sold almost $100,000 of this little software for $67 a license. I was one of those customers. I don't know where I bought it, but <laughs> when. WP Twin. And it was the, it was honestly, we only recently retired after like 12 years on the, almost 12 years on the market. Mm -hmm. And, it was so incredible. I learned so much with Jason at that time about marketing because one of the tweaks he had me make is he had me build the affiliate program right inside the software. So as soon as you downloaded the software, it was right there. You want to become an affiliate? One-click affiliate sign up. It was beautiful. So we got so much affiliate traffic. We got so much traffic that, remember Alexa was one of the hottest things on that day, and I'm not talking about, you know, Amazon's Echo service, and I'll call it Alexa, but Alexa, the stats site, right? Oh, right, right. Sure. And we were like, we were in the top 10 most traffic, uh, highest traffic sites on Alexa no for a day, <laughs> like a couple of days after we launched it. I mean, it was like, it was crazy. Yeah. 
and um, yeah, so so then then after that, we decided that we 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 worked so well together that we should start a business together. Yeah. So we talked, to, you know, we sold WP Twin for a couple of more months and said, hey, let's start a business, let's start a corporation. They on January first, two thousand eleven, and that's what we did. But we kept our separate businesses as well, and then we would do certain things together. And, but we finally we realized very quickly that we were just working on stuff together anyway. So we just, uh, you know, bought all the intellectual property from our separate companies and rolled everything into Rapid Crush. And um, that there started our journey. We did a lot of a lot of really innovative things in the industry that I'm really proud of. Yeah, I mean that's amazing that you know when you find your partner like that. Like I've had partnerships over my lifetime in <laughs> various companies and businesses. And uh, they've never really ever worked out to a point where at some point I decide I'm never going to have a partner partner. I'm just going to have, if I have any partners, going to be like a junior partner. <laughs> I'm maintaining yeah. control of everything. Um, yeah. And, uh, but to find somebody that compliments you, like, you know, wh why do you think you and Jason uh, compliment each other? I've actually studied this quite a bit, Matt, because I've observed over the years, many partnerships come and go. Mm -hmm. And I've had many, many friends in the industry who have come to me for advice on partnerships, especially when it's going bad, you know, at the divorce stage. And so you get to hear about the things that, that go wrong or went wrong or why. And there are a few things that I think are, are really key in a good partnership. I don't know that it's the, you know, the golden rules or anything. But a few things that I've that I've observed is complementary skill sets are really important, but not identical skill sets. You know, when we when I go to conferences and I observe and talk to people, you know, the programmer wants to go talk to the programmer because that's who they have rapport with, right? Can establish rapport quickly with. Right. But those guys should never be partners in the business because they don't complement each other; they compete with each other, right? At the same time. You need to have enough understanding of your partner's role inside the organization to be able to communicate well. So Jason is not a developer. He's not a super high-tech guy, but he understands technology at a level that we can communicate about technology. He understands operations, which is my forte these days, at a level where we can communicate about operations. And yet he trusts me to make the decisions in those areas because they're my area of expertise. I understand and have learned enough about marketing where I can help Jason improve a webinar pitch. We can go through it and I'll say, you got to fix this, you got to fix that. But I always defer to him because marketing and selling is his forte as opposed to mine. So I look at a good partnership as a Venn diagram with a really nice intersection in the middle. And if you have that, I think that's one of the key areas. The other area is having an abundance mentality rather than a scarcity mentality about everything that you do. And I'm not saying that I was born with it or whatever, but I began to understand it in, at some point in my life. And Jason, same thing with him, right? And that goes not just for resources, but also work ethic. And let me explain a little bit what I mean by that. We never keep score. There are days where I'm slacking off and doing nothing, and I'll disappear and go do my own stuff, and Jason is slaving away on a webinar pitch. And there are plenty of times when Jason is literally like, I'm burnt out, see you in a couple of weeks or see you in a couple of days or whatever it is, and I'm slaving away, keeping a company running. And not once did we have a conversation of like, I'm doing too much, you're not doing enough, or I'm, you're not, you know, whatever. Interesting. And that is where most partnerships fail. I don't know if that's a symptom or if that's the reason, but keeping score 
is just a really bad thing because when you're dealing with different skill sets and different responsibilities, like in that Venn diagram, mm -hmm. it's impossible to measure who's doing more or what or whatever, right? Yeah. And if you realize that with having that abundance mentality that nothing is more important than the other, like operations is not more important than selling. Selling is not more important than operations because if they don't jive together and if they if one is missing, everything else falls apart, right? So there has never been a measure of importance. The other part is we agreed and we live by this. And I think you've observed when you worked with us. We check the egos at the door when we go to meetings and we're discussing stuff. I cannot, like, we have a level of communication. Like, Jason and I, you know, have worked together so long. We've worked. We work. We talk in shorthand most of the time yeah. now, right? Like, I know... If he starts a sentence, I can almost always complete it, you know, and so it's vice versa, right? We know what each other's thinking. And it's funny to be in meetings explaining stuff to people. And I'm like, okay, he's going to say that next. And he says it, right? Because I know it's not that it's scripted. It's just like, I know where he's, his head is going, right? But there are a lot of times when we strategize in a room in front of a whiteboard, we meet physically or on a Zoom session, and I'll say to him, dude, that's the stupidest idea ever. Let's move on. And he's like, yeah, you know, you're right. That's stupid. None of us get offended by it. It's just like we move on. We, we have plenty of dumb ideas, plenty of stupid ideas. Sure. And the faster we can categorize them, <laughs> the better, right? <laughs> and if we call each other on it, that's it. Right. And like there's no like I'm not going to be hurt because he called my idea stupid. Mm -hmm. I don't care whose idea it was that worked or didn't work or whatever. It just doesn't matter because at the end of the day, the result is the same. Mm -hmm. We both achieve success. If we're successful, we both achieve success equally. Right. Right. And I think that's really, really important as well is, is to check the egos at the door. And then there's a level of trust. I think trust is really important. If you can't, I would trust Jason with a PIN card to my ATM card, right? Sure. Well, PIN code to my ATM card. And I've, you know, like there's no situation where we wouldn't trust each other. We've achieved that level of, of, uh, of friendship. That's really important. And I think yeah. that's really important, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, like I was thinking about, the, you know, like what partnership I had years ago. And like one of my, it was my first membership. Uh, it was called Web Profit School. And Web Profit School is actually me and two other partners. One guy was the marketing guy. The other guy was the software guy. And I was the weirdo hanging out with them. I don't know. I was doing affiliate marketing, pay-per-click. I had the traffic, I had the customers, and I, you know, so I had the in for that whole situation. Um, that's a whole story. But, but one of the things that broke that partnership was trust. Something happened with that partner and he lost my trust and confidence. And I very quickly was like, I just severed the whole thing and started my own membership. There was a, there was yeah. a signal, there was a sign that I don't know this person. There's something going on here that I can't trust and. I, I yeah. cut ties. So it it took a while. It took a while, but we we definitely started with a lot of common ground, you know. And I don't know how much this matters. It just for us, it just is. Jason and I both came from not a whole lot, right? So we we both struggled to earn what we have, mm -hmm. what we've achieved. So we have a, a very similar sense of work ethics, right? Like you work hard, you get something out of it, right? Yeah. And we both believed in, in contributing to the world. And the e the easiest way for us to contribute to the world was to make money and donate to charities that we wanted to help. Yeah. So we did that, right? We agreed right off the bat that a certain amount of money every year was going to be donated to charity. So a lot we had a lot of similarities in our view of the world yeah. that allowed us to probably achieve a level of trust pretty quickly from the start 
and then build upon that. Now, it wasn't always you know unicorns and roses. I mean, Jason and I went through a, a rough patch for a little while where, you know, we kind of distanced because of life reasons. I went one way and he went another and we were kind of just, it was almost like we were running two separate companies at the same time and driving the employees in the middle nuts because we were like, we were just going on different, different directions. And uh, it came to a point where we had to sit down and and have a good discussion. It was like, you know, I told him I love you like a brother. He said the same thing back and said, but we're not going in a good path. So, you know, I'll still love you. But I think we either fix this or we part ways. And we did a whole bunch of Mm self-counseling for about three months. And we emerged from that stronger than ever as partners. But it was the trust had never ended. You know, there was it, it was just like a different path scenario. Yeah. It was just a, a different. We were committed to different things in the business and in our lives. But but the trust had never left. Right. That length of time, you can't expect everything to be perfect all the time. Right. We've been together for 12 right. years. So yeah. you would expect years. at some point so your lives are going different ways. You got different ideas and things. So many things can happen there. I yeah. Imagine. But trust is is really, really important. And, you know, with that comes respect, right? We respect each other tremendously. I was I was thinking of that word, like respect, too. You also respect each other's brains. Like, you're both, obviously, brilliant people. Thank you. And, uh, have, you know, you have some incredible ideas. And that's that's something I, like, I want to dig into. Like, how do you come up with these great ideas? But uh, but it's but it's that though you respect it because you both do bring to the table some form of brilliance and and that also that has to bring that respect like you just respect each other from that perspective. I think yeah. So respect is really important. And when I said you know we call each other's ideas stupid, that's not lack of respect. That's just the shorthand we speak in, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's just like get we're we're in work mode, right? But respect is respect for the individual respect for the ideas, respect for the way of life, respect for, you know, just all the way around and respect for the skill set. And respect from the skill set goes back to, I think, that Venn diagram that I talked about. I understand enough of what he does to respect how brilliant he is. Mm -hmm. And he's has said the same thing to me. He understands enough of my stuff to know that, like, I'm really good at what I do. Yeah. Right. And and I think that's that's really important. Respect builds trust. I think that's a requirement for trust is that respect to be there. Every partnership that I've ever seen break up has been like, oh, so-and-so didn't, isn't working as much as I am, or I'm the one that's contributing, I'm the one that's bringing in all the affiliates, or I'm the one that's doing all the selling, or I'm the one that's doing all the programming, or I'm the one that's doing, like, anytime that mindset starts setting in, if you don't keep it in check, and by the way, I'm not going to tell you that I never thought that way or never felt that way, but I quickly put it in check. I quickly analyzed it and said, you know, why am I feeling this way? And I'm sure Jason the same way, right? But then we analyzed what the other brings to the table and was like, yeah, this is a bad thought that I just got to let go away. Right. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. And it's also you two, you know, have built a great team around you too. I know you like from support and from all the people that you bring on board uh, that work with both of you and uh, just the things you do at Rapid Crush. <laughs> like I was so, I, I'm i not there anymore, but I, I tell you, I learned so much in those just couple of years watching you two work and, and seeing what you do. Like I said, like ideas alone, like you, 
you were good at coming up with ideas and you didn't know it probably before you met Jason, that he just brought that out of you probably more. Uh, but yeah, that's an interesting, that's an interesting point, Matt. Cause I, I I've never defined myself as a creative person mm -hmm. ever, but, but creativity a is a keystone of problem solving. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so in, in, in the creation sense of creativity, I just never had a channel to explore, nor did I have somebody to explore it with. Yeah. And so now, you know, and ever since I met Jason, uh, I realized that, yeah, I'm a pretty creative person, but I need that, that support around me, right? In order to bring it out of me. And Jason does that. But I'll tell you the team, you brought up the team. So let's talk about our team a little bit because we absolutely, I feel like we have the most amazing team in the world. And you may not work for us, but you're part of the team because <laughs> we're one of your clients now, right? Yes. And and I think surrounding yourself with the right people. I told you I loved working at that software company because I worked with brilliant people. Mm -hmm. I work with brilliant people now too, and it's it truly is amazing when you have the right team behind you what you can do. Well, and, and you take care of them because you. One of the things that I was always impressed with is the length of time people are with you. Like I think yeah. people would. In fact, I think. They would stay with you forever if, if they could, you know, like, like, you know, your, right. your support team, you have people that have been with you since the, probably the beginning. Yes, we do. Yeah. We just celebrated, in fact, a couple of 10 year anniversaries oh, for, nice. for staff members. That's awesome. So, yeah, I, it's, um, what I've, I told you about my skill. I told you about my personality, but if there's one thing that, that I've done at rapid crush that makes it what it is, is focus on culture. Mm -hmm. And instill a culture in the team and demonstrate a, a culture expectation as well as, you know, demonstrate my actions within that, that are congruent with that culture. And that is that we take care of custom, customers first. And, you know, you ask any business and like, yo, customer first, but they don't live it, right? We live it. We live customer first. I believe you've been in situations where you saw that even when the cost was high to us. Yeah to do so but it doesn't matter the customer comes first that doesn't mean you give the customer everything they ever want and, and tell you they you know they deserve right? right but it means you have their best interest in mind at any given time and you only make decisions based on that and when you have that type of culture that type of congruency that's pervasive throughout the entire organization that's one of my favorite words is congruence by the way i'll talk about that in a minute but once you have that culture then we do amazing things and amazing things just happen yeah. because we're always thinking of how can we improve the customer experience? How can we improve customer success? How can we improve the customer relationship with us? How can we take care of the customer better? How can we make the customer feel better regardless of the outcome of whatever they're trying to do? Sure. Right. Yeah. And, and everybody is empowered and enabled to do that in the organization. You know, we had, uh, I believe you were, you were at that event where, we sold a program, a fairly high-end program, for uh, where we we made about seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in sales. Brought sixty people into an event. Cost us about one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars to put on that event. Right? Yeah. The event did not go as planned. The event we didn't deliver on the promise. Mm. So I remember being at dinner the night before the event was over with the team, and I asked the team, "Are you guys proud of what we did so far?" And the answer was like. Absolutely not. And I said, are you disappointed at Rapid Crush? And they said, yes, right? 
because we weren't, we didn't deliver to the customer what we promised we would. So I just made one promise that night. I said, tomorrow I'm going to make you proud again, right? So on that day, I think you were at that event, weren't you, in Orlando? Maybe, maybe not. I think I was at that one. And, and um, the next day, given all the costs associated with delivering, I stood in front of 60 people and I said, we did not deliver what we promised we would deliver. We have something that we can do about it. We have a plan. I was, I, I, but yeah, I, I wasn't there, but I remember this, this all sounds very remember this, Yeah. <laughs> and, and I said, I said, uh, we have a plan to do right by you, but I realized that I may have lost your trust at this point. I don't blame you. So you can stick with us and here's the plan or I will give you a full refund. And they had signed an agreement that was a non-refundable purchase, so nobody was entitled to a refund. But I just put the refund out there. It's like it was the right thing to do. And if and not everybody took the refund, I pretty much knew they wouldn't. But I, I was willing to risk the fact that everybody took a refund and I spent $125,000 out of pocket for nothing, right? Which is not a little amount of money, no matter what size the business, right? But examples like that where we are living that we put the customer first right you know we we live it every single day and the staff is empowered to say hey we're not doing right by the customer here right and say oh let's fix it and so they know it they love what they do and i would say everybody on the team and, and you've experienced this before everybody bleeds rapid crush i mean it's it's ingrained everybody is excited about what they do and so that's exciting to work with people that are committed we don't we don't have anybody that's just coasting it's just it's not in our culture yeah i, feel- I said i'd talk about congruence 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 is one of the most important words for us as it relates to business and and also how we treat people, right? And this is what I see a lot in in the world today as a general, and will be very general, is lack of congruence. You see the news headlines all the time. And if you analyze what this celebrity or this politician or this whatever is saying today, or doing today versus what they said they would do yesterday, there's just a tremendous lack of congruence. And incongruence causes distrust. When you're incongruent with your values and you're not living your values, like I talked about customer first, it is very obvious to anybody around you. And that, you know, let's talk about customers. When you're not being congruent with your messaging, with your delivery, with your way in which you interact, Customers realize it, whether it is, you know, they realize it consciously or not. Even if they don't consciously realize it, they get, they, they see it. So being congruent with your values, not situationally congruent and not situ, Jason and I have this, this saying like he, he or she is situationally ethical. Like depend on the situation, they'll do the right thing. If the situation is wrong, they will, they will very quickly do, you know, stab you in the back, right? Kind of scenario. And, you know, being congruent, behaving congruently towards your, your team, towards your customers is absolutely critical, in my opinion, towards long-term success. We've always looked at business from a long-term perspective, not a short-term mm-hmm. perspective. In fact, one of our core values when we had written core values, we don't have written core values anymore. We just do right by the customer. And that's enough of a mission statement for us or a core value. But when we had core values, one of them was never sacrifice long-term profits for short-term gains. And and again, that is congruent with take care of the customer. 
right? Do what's right by the customer. So I went on a big tangent there. You asked, you asked about the team and I went on a big tangent, but, but listen, I, I love, you know, that I love everybody I work with. Yeah. I have interviewed and hired everybody that has come to the company. There was a time in the company when you're here where I wasn't doing that. And that was part of the time that I wasn't really very much here, Yeah. but I'm back to like, I interview and speak with everybody, no matter what the position is, because I want to make sure that they, that I believe they fit in the culture of, of taking care of customers. Yeah, that's important. That's great, man. I, you know, I, I just, all of that stuff, it's like when I think of my business and what I'm doing, it's like I almost want to use Rapid Crush as a model for you know, how I approach what I'm doing. But, you know, I feel the same way about, you know, from an agency perspective and taking care of clients. I'm always thinking of better ways to take care of them. And it's, it's all those things you talk about. I think it's important for in the long term thinking is you know, like trying to do something that isn't completely ethical or is, is not congruent with what you would normally do, uh, just because you can have a big payday or, you know, something that, you know, I, I think it's the per, some people can live with themselves doing that too. I think that's some part of it too. You have, you have some kind of compass that you go by that, that, that you know, that doesn't feel right. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, you know, and, and, and again, like with the team and stuff, I, you know, trying to instill that in everybody that you hire that everyone's kind of on that same page. I think it's really important. It's a great conversation. I have a little bullet list over here to the right with at least five more things we could talk about. But uh, you got all day? You want to stay for a few more hours? <laughs> well, how about we uh, How about we do a part two at some point in the future? We could. We could. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Um, yeah, we all, you know Dolan. But Dolan yeah. was all excited because he was my first. He was my first guest, and then he was my first second guest. So I might have to make him my first third guest coming. coming back. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome, Dolan. And for those of you watching the podcast who have not heard of Dolan or may not have heard that interview, I don't know what he said, but whatever it was, you got to watch it. You got to listen to it. Yeah, he has been instrumental in my career and in my life. Dolan was my boss back in 1999 and he is not only one very funny individual yeah. he is one of the most caring genuine people you will ever meet in this world and i just love him to death yeah. i would not be where i am today matt if it wasn't for dolan wow he he was he was that instrumental in my life and i worked for dolan for probably just a couple of years two to three years and we remain friends for you know we've been i've known him for more than two decades now and we went you know we can go years without talking and it's when we just pick up the phone it's like we just just talked yesterday yeah. that kind of relationship he is an amazing individual and and i'm glad i was able to introduce him to your life too because yeah. that's how you get to that's how you got to meet him is through me that's right yeah yeah no, so, he's, he's, he's a great guy <laughs> you listen to this dolan you're awesome <laughs> yeah. And and like when I say he's funny, he's really funny. I'll tell you my first story. The first time I worked for a software company and my manager left or they split the territory and Dolan became my new manager. And I was on a project working for a customer. So I didn't get to meet him for a few weeks. First time I walk into his office, sits across the table from me and says, Will, how do I put this? <laughs> you're like a 40 watt bulb. I'm like a 40 watt bulb. He says, you're lit, but you're just not very bright. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, I think I turned about 10 shades of white. And then he just busts out laughing. And I'm like, that's my first first interaction with my new boss. Oh, and it just, it just went downhill from that, but in a good, <laughs> there, but in a good way. So 
every once in a while you hear Dolan and I talking and says, man, you're like a 40-watt bulb. <laughs> <laughs> the joke that's lasted 22 years. Man, yeah, I have a lot of great conversations with him outside of this, you know, yeah. uh, podcast, obviously. We've talked on numerous, we're always, he's on social media, we bump into each other a lot. Yeah. So, but great, great dude to get to know. I, I will add, I will stretch this out a couple more minutes if you don't mind, and I'll, I will talk about another thing that I realized in my later years how important it is. Okay. And I just surround yourself with good people, mm. good people that are congruent with your values. And I'm not talking about politics or any of that stuff because that's all messy stuff, but just people that you know are genuinely good and view the world in a similar way to you and want to make a difference and, and are just genuinely good, smart people. And that is so important. I've stayed away for years now from social media because I don't believe it is congruent as a whole with my values. I don't get into the arguments and fights and discussions and flaming and yeah. any of that. Yeah. I haven't posted on Facebook for probably a good five, six, seven years now, something like that. I do use Facebook for business type stuff sometimes, but I don't look at my news feed. I don't want to see what's there. I don't want to see what somebody ate, what vacation they're on, who they're mad at, what their dog looks like. It just doesn't matter. But surround yourself with good people and, and distance yourself from people that are adding value to your life or your way of being. That's, that's really important. I don't, I never mean, I try not to ever be mean or disrespectful of anybody, but I have certainly distanced myself from some folks that I just, they have their own path and it's not congruent with mine. That word congruent again is really, really important. And then there are those people that just bring the best out in you and, and you can help and they can help you and that's really important. Keep keep those relationships going. And this can be with people that you haven't talked to in a long time. I've recently, like recently in the past year or two, especially during this COVID situation, a lot of thinking and, and reflecting, right, that we go through. I started reaching out to friends I hadn't spoken with in a decade, but I know are solid, awesome people that I'd love to have in my life. And I've reconnected with a whole bunch of them. And it's like, you know, it makes me happy. And these days, it's so much easier. We don't even need Facebook. We got on a Zoom call. Yeah. Right. Right. Get on a Google Hangout or Google Meet or whatever it is and or FaceTime call and you can be there with each other and, you know, rekindle those friendships. Like to me, that's been really important. I've, I've come to place a lot of value in that again. So mm-hmm. I'm super happy to be here with you and get to talk to you every once in a while. Cause again, you're, you're on that short list of people that, that I admire that have added to my life and will continue to. Thank you. And ditto, same way. Now, I, wow. just to speak to that for a second, and then we can go. Uh, <laughs> I feel the same way about social media. You know, like I, I gave up personal Facebook posting on there because of just all the stuff that goes on there. <laughs> but I don't want to like unfollow people necessarily. I want to be friends with everybody, but, uh, it's hard to be hard to do in those environments. You know, like I use social media for like business and we do a lot of content. We're doing that stuff, you know, but really the meat of it though happens like underneath, like privately. I have so many people I stay connected, like this private network that's kind of lays, that kind of lives underneath all the social, public social sites and all that, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Instagram, whether it's not so much Instagram, but LinkedIn. Like I have a lot of private conversation or touch base with people. A lot of that's happening in private and private messaging and stuff. That's how I communicate with a lot of people and stay in touch with people like you and others that there is congruency there. And there's, you know, we're doing common things. We have common respect or we we're doing pot, stuff. We're just doing behind the scenes. And that's a kind of a cool thing too. That's why I 
you know, try to like Facebook even like, yeah, a lot of people there are out of their minds, but <laughs> there's a few people though, like people that I've, you know, old members of mine, you know, that I, I'm still friends with or people I've done business with or that we have referred business back and forth or whatever. That, that's all happening. Um, that's why I like that kind of more said reaching, always reaching out. I, like just the other day, um, just through our efforts on LinkedIn, we, uh, that was like about, about a month ago. This person that I knew like 10 years ago in the internet marketing game, we hadn't touched base for a while. We just bumped into each other on LinkedIn through some efforts and he contacted me, got on Zoom. We chatted it up. Next thing I know, he's referring me to a buddy of his who's starting an agency. And now I just got the first project. So that stuff's always happening. It's like, yeah. That's with those people that you do respect and stuff like that. Anyway, we could talk about this forever. It was great having you today. I appreciate you coming on, and I would definitely love to have you back someday. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Anytime, Matt. Anytime right. I get to chat with you is good. Great. You take care. Have a good one. All right. Take care, Matt. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> wow, we could have kept talking for hours. <laughs> That's all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the guest. Will is, is just a brilliant guy. I'm glad. I just feel honored. And uh, it's a real privilege to be able to have them on my podcast. Uh, again, please subscribe if you haven't already and share this episode if you found it valuable. If you want to comment on this podcast or provide me with requests on topics for future episodes, please find your way to thebuilders.fm. You can add a comment under these show notes. Now a word from our sponsor, Unified Web Design, my agency. <laughs> we build custom WordPress themes, features, we maintain websites, and also run a WordPress theme marketplace called Hexeter. If you're interested in a theme, pre-built or custom, or are looking for an agency to work with as a partner to build awesome websites for your clients, feel free to reach out to me at unifiedwebdesign.com. There's a handy contact me link at the top. Fill out that form and it will open a ticket. You can also find me at my blog. I have a blog where I talk about business and productivity topics, things related to agencies, selling services. You can find that at mattlevenhagen.com. Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time.